Well, good morning, everyone. Beloved, uh, I want to point out and welcome everybody who's watching online there, worshiping with us uh, uh, through our online services there. Um, we've been on this Advent journey for a few weeks now, and uh, we've been making room in our lives to receive God in so many ways as He's revealed Himself to us. And so we saw that uh, Jesus became a God-man, dwelt among us to show that He is indeed can feel and experience the things that we can on a human journey. And then also we saw as He is Lord of our lives and that Lordship does incredible things in us and through us, and then in his rule, his kingship over all uh, the universe. And so today, we ask, make room for this Lord Jesus in your life as Savior. And so I ask that question, do you have room in your life for him as Savior? And what does that mean? Will you please join me in prayer? Dear God, open up our hearts and minds to receive this, your word. We thank you for this time of year. We are so grateful for all that you have done so that we can be received by you and live abundant lives in and through you. And we ask this in your holy and precious name. Amen. I would like for you to imagine for a moment that you are a shepherd on that faithful night that Jesus Christ was born. You might even want to close your eyes in this place right now and Maybe have your mind's eye begin to operate here. And you might be sitting beside that small campfire and the sounds of the sheep around you, bah, you know, with your buddies. You might be uh, planning around that campfire with your friends where you're going to take that flock of sheep the next day to some nourishing grass. You might even be cracking some jokes. But then, then the night splits. Light comes. And there's multitudes of angels that arrive. You know? And it's terrifying at first, but you begin to capture their divine appearance, and you find that that light is warm with love. And in their divine glory, they begin to proclaim in an incredible, most beautiful voice together that you've ever heard. And these stunning words proclaim this message. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy that will be for all people. For born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And then you hear the proclamation, their praise about what just took place from that announcement. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom his favor rests. Now as a shepherd, there's one word that might be pulsating through your brain. And that word is Savior. You and your shepherd buddies, you have just been tagged universally with the most important breaking news ever proclaimed. God came to you first. You shout at the tippy top of your lungs, let's go over 
to Bethlehem as fast as we can. We see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. And from that moment, you're being drawn around the intimacy of that manger. Those shepherds were called and they put aside everything to go and to see what this means. What would Christmas Day look like if we were drawn in that way and we comprehended what Savior means for us? You might be thinking, saved saved from what? Man, come on. What does this mean? There's so much contrast in the Christmas story that's evident here, and it's right before us. And these, these shepherds might have started producing thoughts in their minds about this Savior. And possibly these thoughts would be about a conquering Messiah, a Savior over that temporal power back then, Rome, versus what we know today. And I'll get into that a little more. But this Messiah that they're thinking about, he comes in a parade and maybe formed an insurrection, maybe received with trumpets, military uh, display, feast, offering power horses and cheering and bowing. He's going to go physically lead those people into a battle over flesh and blood. And he would be a savior from a very temporary power. And history shows that Rome was overthrown, but by its own doing. But then there's this word Savior that they come to understand. It's a Savior over many things that we experience spiritually, over the tyranny of sin and death. Christmas Christmas is is a proclamation of this humble Savior coming. And maybe your mind's eye can see it if you think for a moment, and we know the story, or maybe you're hearing it for the first time today, that teenage mom, her fiancé, they're knocking on the door. They want to go somewhere, just in a corner of a room, to have this baby. But the innkeeper points, and they go to a barn, and they lie, Jesus, in that feeding trough. This humble Messiah is announced to these lowly sheep herders and born in this place that maybe would stick with irony to say that, you know what? He can receive anyone. There's vacancy there with him. In that filth, I know, so real, can be removed. And in this humility, we find that anyone, you, me, can receive him. Jesus was not born in Caesar's palace, but in a common barn where there was no vacancy. But this statement is a vacancy sign that this vacancy of Christ can be opened unto us. And all can come and receive. And he died, born and died, so that we can experience these benefits. He is the atoning sacrament for our sin. And you might be asking, what does that atoning sacrament mean? It might be a tricky word, but atonement, as I've come to discover, really in its, in its purest form means at one man. That he's done everything so that we could be at one in relationship with God. And the shepherds heard that call to come. And they were the first to experience this at one man as they draw around that manger. Is there room? For this humble Savior in your life. 
You know, I believe one of the things that uh, builds up a barrier for making room is pride. Pride. Pride is one of the fattest things that can take up space in the rooms of our lives to keep out this humble Savior. It's hard for a proud person to receive the benefits of God. It's hard for a proud person to receive love and to give love. In ministry, I hear pride a lot, and I've heard it over the years as a pastor. I don't need that, Jonathan. Get that stuff out of here. You know, I'm good in my current estate. I remember my dad used to sing in front of the mirror in the mornings. Thank God he didn't do it every morning, but he would, think, he would sing, Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I just look in the mirror and I get purtier and purtier each day. And I'm like, Dad, come on. You know, even though he's kidding around, you know, you would hear that. Christmas is a celebration of saying, you know what? I see the humbleness found in Jesus Christ. It's mighty difficult for the proud to receive And I know this from experience. For years and years and years, I put him off. And I would say those years, they were not the best years of my life. I needed to strip that away. I found a Savior and a God who wanted to become my Savior and then my Lord. You look at John 1 where it talks about the incarnation of God putting on flesh. It says, he came to that which was his own but his own didn't receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. We can receive receive that. And I found this love and kindness that God would bestow upon me when pride was removed. Look at Titus 3. Three through seven. At one time we were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved, in all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had to do, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewed by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Lord. So having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs of his living hope of eternal life. And pride can be removed. And I found that removal happens through repentance. To just come back in God's way. Repentance is just God calling, saying, I love you. Turn around and come back into my rhythms and will, my beloved child. And it's hard for God to receive a proud person. For a proud person can't learn and grow in God's lordship. You know, there's vacancy with Jesus Christ that we can enter in when we do say, yes, I need thee, O Lord. I need you. Especially in this world that's filled, it seems, with me and filled with things that don't benefit me. I recall many, many times when I experienced remorse for my sin and a desire for forgiveness. And the first cataclysmic time was in May 1991. And I was 20 years old and I heard this incredible par- parable 
uh, told by this, this Jesus. And I tried to just really wrap my brain around the meaning of that. And at the time in my life, I was very, I was filled with a lot of pride and self-service. When I heard this story, I, I saw my sin. And I knew I needed a Savior. And what did I find? I didn't find condemnation, my friends. I found loving restoration. There's a parable that I heard when I heard this, this love. And it was a parable of the prodigal son. Listen to this. He said, it said that he went and hired himself out to as a citizen of that country who sent him to feed the, for, to the field to feed the pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. And he thinks in his mind, I need to go back home. I need to repent. I know at home there's love. There's food. And then the scriptures say while he was still a long way off, the father saw him filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him. He kissed him. And the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. You see, I learned at that time as a teenager that this son squandered his father's inheritance in sinful living. And I was doing the same. Filled with pride. And this son, this son in this parable was stripped of everything and he began working. I mean, this, this, the Jews, as they heard this, they were like, are you serious? He's working for a pig farmer? But he sees his sin in that slop. And he was starving and longing to feed on those husks. I heard that story and I heard the words of a loving Savior and I realized, you know what, I gotta stop feeding this unnutritious, poisonous slop. I got to stop compromising and pushing my Savior away. The story continues that he does come to his senses. That pride is removed and his footsteps of disobedience go back to obedience and he goes back home. And we see in this story, it's so interesting as you see it, that the father is scanning the horizon watching for his son to return. The father's filled with compassion. He forgets the dignity of all of his old years, you know, and he runs to his son. And does he strike him? And say, man, the heartache that you have caused me. No. No. He hears the sorrow for his sin. And the father embraces him with compassion and he reinstates him with the items that show that he's his son. The robe, the ring, the sandals. That son is restored. Salvation comes to us. And when we see God as Savior, we know that we can come just as we are and receive him.
The origin of that word salvation really has everything to do with wellness, my friends. It's total spiritual wellness. And I believe that that wellness of salvation can happen in so many other ways too. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, occupationally. It's that repentance that obliterates the pride so that we can begin to receive and then give love away so freely and joyfully. I don't know about you, man, but I'm a hugger. I have to keep myself under control about hugging people. I always ask for permission. May I hug you? You know, but I just have found that when pride is removed and repentance and God's grace and love comes, it's so easy to show people his love have his joy and not have the other benefit fear of death our savior jesus conquered death we're guaranteed eternal life my friends i know i need a savior a savior to annihilate those things and fear of death i want to be a constant lover of god a friend of god and thank him for being a savior I don't want to be a fighter anymore, filled with pride. Check out 1 John 4, and it kind of substantiates what I'm talking about here. Listen for the love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and we rely on love God has for us. God is love, and whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. But the one who fears is not made perfect in love. Is there room for the Savior? I implore. I really do. You be reconciled to God today. I was a minister um, about to, on the threshold of ordination in our, our conference. And in the United Methodist Church, when you're ordained as a minister, you're, you're required to make this big banner, you know, for, it's called your ordination banner. And I remember I asked Paula Blevins in 2001 to make me an ordination banner. And she's like, Jonathan, what do you want on it? And I knew, I want three words, Paula, ambassador of Christ. She was like, well, is that it? <laughs> and I said, well, I want, I want the sacraments on there. I want, I want the bread and the cup. And then I want, I want the baptism symbols there. I want a pitcher of water and a basin. Okay. And she made this beautiful banner. I tried to find a picture for the screen. I couldn't find a picture for you. But it comes after the theme verse that has everything to do with the ministry God has entrusted. And it's from 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And this morning, this appeal through me 
is to remove anything that doesn't belong in order for you to receive salvation from this Savior who has saved you completely through his ministry of love and reconciliation. What would Christmas be like if you just received from him this love and said, you know, I want to be wholly yours. And I mean two words there, you know, two words, not three, two words. What would Christmas Day look like? How would you receive those around you, you know, and receive him and celebrate that day? What's his name? Well, Joseph was told his name in Matthew 121. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. That's the first time in a long time I've used that in three syllables. Jesus. Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. My friend, salvation is now. Is there room in your life for a savior? Jesus Christ. Will you join me in prayer? Dear God, we give thanks for uh, this time of year. And though you were born for many, many reasons, for our benefit, for the benefit of the world, for the benefit of the universe. Savior, thank you. As we come and we remove pride and we acknowledge our sin, we know that there's love, not condemnation. And you receive us as we receive you. Do your will in us, God. Fill us with the fullness of you. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.